I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I'm here in the studio with a buddy of mine, Dan Murray-Serta, host of Secret Leaders Podcast, a business show interviewing some of the world's biggest founders. Hey there, listeners. Uh, Dan, now tell us about the show in one sentence. Well, Jamie, thanks for asking. (laughs) Secret Leaders Podcast gets a microphone in front of the founders of some of the world's largest and most successful businesses. So think Shazam, ClassPass, Joe Malone, Planet Organic, Not on the High Street, Calm, and even Deliveroo. (laughs) Now, I can personally recommend the show. It's incredible. So if you're looking for another business and entrepreneurial podcast, head over to your listening platform of your choice and search Secret Leaders. It's great. And welcome to Move, a podcast which is hosted by me, Jamie Lang, and my business partner, Ed Williams. Now, in 2012, Ed and I founded our confectionery business, Candy Kittens, a business which I'd actually dreamed of having ever since I was six years old. And honestly, we wouldn't have achieved half of what we've been able to without all the amazing tips and advice we picked up along the way. Move stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entrepreneurship. And each episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the stories of founders, innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs, and winners who show us all what's possible with hard work and focus. So whatever you're moving towards, we hope today's guests will open your eyes to what you can achieve. This is Move. Hello and welcome to Move. On this week's episode, we've got the brilliant Ashley Hind, founder of Waldo. Ashley moved to Europe from South Africa in her early 20s to further her education. Ashley has always believed in working with the very best people to get the greatest experience and has applied that to how she hires people today. She works hard and doesn't think there are any shortcuts. She believes in authenticity above all, something that is meaningful that she can believe in and really, really get behind. Ashley pushes the boundaries and never lets fear stifle her. After starting Waldo, they now have over 10,000 subscribers. They launched in the UK and have just opened their first office out in New York. We talked to her about the whole story. This is Ashley Hind. Hey, not only that, buddy, I want to let you one know one thing. When she was 12 years old, okay, she won BBC Young Wildlife Photographer. You're kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Hey, listen, what have you won? A couple, like maybe a couple of... A couple of swimming badges, maybe, at school. <laughs> is that what you won? A couple of swimming badges? <laughs> hey, listen, I love it when we have someone uh, who comes on the podcast who uh, isn't just kind of... Uh, you know, just defined by one thing. She's super multi-talented and everything. Not only that is that she uh, she was educated everywhere. 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 I didn't even I got a two two at Leeds <laughs> for theatre and performance. She did Harvard, she did everything. She's a smart girl. Okay, should we do this? Let's do it. Ashley Hind on move. So we, we owe you an apology before we <laughs> kick anything off because uh, we had uh, we had this booked in a while ago and we totally messed it up <laughs> for you. That's no problem. No, I, we felt... No, we were, sorry, that wasn't good. Yeah, so we, we obviously started this, this podcast and we wanted to act very professional because we, we speak to professionals and it was the most unprofessional thing we probably could have done. Wasn't that right, Ed? <laughs> it was. It was pretty amateur, actually. But well, yeah, we made it. We made it. Here we we're are. In. 
We're in, ready to go. And as I said before, excuse my beard. I've grown this beard, <laughs> and I and I feel that it looks not great. But I try to join you, Ed, and trying to join my club. I don't think it's working. <laughs> Is it the club? Star icon, Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got this. Yeah. You are a star icon. I just trying to. Ashley, how are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. What did you do this morning? Um, came here. Came straight here. Do Do you have Do you have a uh, So basically, I've now what I decided to do is that I'd never had routine in my life, right? Mm. So I would wake up at different points, depending on my work day, I would uh, see friends occasionally see this, but I've now kind of found out that actually routine, is quite an important yeah. thing. Do you have a routine in the morning that you do? I do. So 100%. I actually didn't before I started the business or like a little less so. Um, and I was studying before I started the business. So I had a lot more like flexibility. And the day changes, obviously, like every day as an entrepreneur is really different. But I think if you don't have a routine, it can just throw you off. So now I've got a routine before bed, routine waking up in the morning, um, like much more focused on like what I eat, how I sleep. Um, it makes a difference. Th that's a really interesting. So wait, hang on. So you... But to so routine, I totally agree with you. Yeah. If you're if you're running a business and you're uh, having that working life, routine is fundamentally the most important. Yeah. And that's what I had to discover myself. So you're talking about sleep and eating well, yeah. and having that kind of routine. So what do you mean? Do you sleep a certain amount of hours? Do you wake up at a certain so time? So I try and you wake train? up at the same time every morning. Which is what time? Six. Okay, great. It's hard for me because I'm a night person. So actually, if I could plan my ultimate day, it would be like start at 10, but then finish at like 10, 11 at night. But the world yeah. doesn't subscribe to that same... That <laughs> no, no, same nobody else of, wants to stay in the right, office exactly. that long, right? <laughs> You could do a thing where you work on like New York hours. That's right. what you could do where you just say, right, we get into the office later and just end yeah, later. Yeah, we're in London, but we're on Eastern time. Yeah, <laughs> um, because yeah, I... But that's also quite funny because you you studied psychology, right? Yeah. So surely you understand human behavior and things like that. So you must have realized that actually routine is important or did you have to figure that out yourself? No, I had to figure that out myself. Like That wasn't a um, module, I think, in, in what I studied. But I just found that it, it helps me a lot better. So I wake up at the same time every morning and then um, what's been quite a good change is to not check email the first like the first moment you wake up because then that sort of sets the tone for how you feel for the day. So I just keep my phone off, yeah. go and like make a smoothie or like have breakfast or whatever and then get into email. But like allow myself to wake up before I deal with what's on the phone. That's interesting actually because probably the first thing I do in the morning is kind of roll over, yeah. open my phone. Like half eye open. Then you open like... that one shitty email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Totally sets the tone. Is that what you do? You, 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 see, I wish, <laughs> I wish I, I roll over and I open Instagram. That's even worse. <laughs> yeah, that's that I, I don't even check emails. I check what other people are doing in the world. And then you wish you were on holiday. And then I wish I was on holiday, or I wish I was as muscly as that person <laughs> right. that I came across who's in the gym. <laughs> right. But it, but it's, it is good, and routine is so important. I think for uh, any individual who is. Uh, you know, starting a business or getting into the working world, getting up early, going exercising in the morning, ha you know, like you said, drinking a healthy smoothie, not really focusing on your phone. That yeah. is super important. You know, if we sort of start at the beginning, you know, growing up in South Africa. Yeah. I've done my homework. <laughs> growing up I in see. South Africa. Uh, what were you like? As well? Were you active? Were you, uh, did you have open space? Were you running around? Yeah. Were you kind of a city girl? What were you like? Yeah. So growing up in South Africa, there's a lot, there's a lot more space. 
than in London and New York, I guess. So that was like the first thing to get used to. And yeah, very active. So school, um, you know, you do like your normal curriculum, but then there's always extramural activities. So school was really from like seven till like eight because I did drama as well. So then I was like in the school play until 8 p.m. Um, so it was very busy and like wide open spaces, very sunny, Um it was great. Like, South Africa is great. South Africa is great. It's one of what, my... part, what part of South Africa did you grow up in? Um, so my family's in Johannesburg. Okay. Um, and I studied at UCT. Okay, cool. Which was like just the, the best. best years of yeah, my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Do you know what? I, I did drama as well. I love drama. I was in all the school plays. And uh, I think uh, that for me has been my biggest weapon when coming into sort of the business world, sort yeah. of the working world, was that I was... Because if you do drama, you're able to adapt into different characters yeah. and be in different situations and understand yeah. it. Was that like for you? Because you had to adapt into different situations. You moved around a lot. Yeah. You went to loads of different places to study. Did you always have to kind of change your character in certain yeah. Yeah, it was very helpful for me, actually, drama, because um, I think my natural personality is very quiet and, like, quite shy. Um, and drama sort of pushes you out of that and, like, yeah, just helps you put yourself out there a little bit more. So I think it is helpful. Try not to be too many different people, though, Jamie. I'm not, like, adapting my... <laughs> hey, listen, I have the imposter syndrome. I, <laughs> I wake up every day and go, who am I going to be today? <laughs> Open up Instagram and decide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be that person today. Um, you know, but also what is so funny, right, and... Uh, and I read this article on you as I was reading articles, and, and they said it so well, is that there are so many entrepreneurs out there. You look at Gates, you look at Zuckerberg, you look at Jobs, you look at all these different people, and a lot of them uh, dropped out of university. Yeah. That's what they did. If you're an entrepreneur, you have an idea, you go, right, you're going to drop out, and you're going to do it. Those are the big success yeah. stories. But for you, you were totally against that. You studied. You yeah. learned all different things, did all different modules, went to loads of different universities. Was it because you had an appetite to learn, or it was your family pushing you in that direction? So not my family pushing me at all. Um, my family is actually like quite relaxed and I actually come from a family of entrepreneurs. I mean, my brother's a drummer, so and he was allowed to sort of drop out of school and pursue drumming. So there was no like pushing <laughs> from the family side. But I felt like um, I felt very lucky to be able to go to university. And maybe that's something like being South African, you're very faced with um, the reality that that's not... You know, that's not just a given option for everybody. So I really didn't want to waste it. Um, and then I also saw like further study as being a door opener to be able to travel and be overseas. So it was more about that than um, I, I guess suppose all that study like a love for in studying. a kind of now when you look back at it made you a really well-rounded kind of skilled person ready to take on a business but it wasn't a deliberate um, choice at the time it was just kind of yeah allowed you to travel and something you enjoyed yeah and um i think i just didn't really know what i wanted to do which is why i studied so many different so you things. keep going <laughs> it wasn't like i had deep interest in you know all these areas and yeah. was so well versed so but, just do another course if you can't <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah okay. but, but that is what's so interesting right is that uh, and i think that's where probably all three of us landed at that category which probably a lot of people listening to this aren't as lucky, that we were able to discover what we wanted to right. do. And that, you know, we, all three of us didn't have to go and work in the local Sainsbury's to right. pay for this and pay for that. You know, we could go to university, we could study, we could do these different things, I'm assuming, right? Um, and I think that's what's so lucky that we can go and find, discover those things. Yeah. But, you know, I, you know, for me, I, I sort of go on the other side where I sort of say that education is, uh, isn't as important. Uh, you know, I have this whole thing, right, with education is is that, you know, it, it's kind of stuck 
in the old times where mm. you go to school, you can't copy one another, right. you can't uh, converse, you have to do your own exams, you have to study by yourself. But in the business world, being an entrepreneur, it's all about collaborating. Right. It's about speaking to this person and saying, how do you do this? Helping each other. Yeah. So you have to come out of school and education being told that, no, you don't copy anyone, you do it yourself, to suddenly going, no, you have to collaborate with everyone. Exactly. And I feel like education is kind of flawed in that way. Do you think education is fundamentally important to to have in order to be an entrepreneur and yeah. go into that world? So I think a baseline education, yes. But after that, and I've, I've thought about this in terms of like, um, like postgraduate study, you know, if you look at what an MBA looks like now at one of these top tier universities, like you're putting yourself into like 200K of debt, like not... Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah like crazy. let alone sort of loss <clears throat> of earning. And actually, if you think about, like, what you could do with 200 grand and a year off, like, you could build your own education around what you want to study. Like, go and do three-month internships at companies you're interested in for free. Yeah. And so I, I'm quite keen on this idea of, like, building your own postgraduate education um, and thinking about, like, you know, what do you want to learn rather than, like, what is on paper and, like, what what are my what do they say my options are in terms of what can i learn that is one of the best things i've heard recently that is so true yet people do come out with all this debt and in fact instead of spending that debt on further education why don't you do it on something that actually you can really use right. In, right. in the right way and build it yourself right and then that debt obviously you know inhibits the kind of job you can take after you've studied because like well no now i can't be an entrepreneur because i've got no Money, I've got to go and work for a bank or a consulting firm or something. Yeah. But I feel, yeah, yeah. I feel like with you, actually, you always had that worker ethic within you because you said your family were all entrepreneurs. So you yeah. always kind of saw that, that desire and that passion and that will within the business world. So you always, did you always know that you were going to start something yourself or did you want the security of being in a corporate job? Yeah, so um, I didn't think that that was what I wanted to do. Like, I, I did quite like the security of being in a corporate job. And I felt like it allowed me to travel. Um, but my family is, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all entrepreneurs. And I think the, the thing about them is like one of the big things in my family is they'll say, um, you know, when things are hard, they're just like, well, just dry your eyes and face the front. And that's always been their approach to work. It's just like, well, you know, stop sort of... Um, kind of get on with it, basically. Yeah, get yeah. on with it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. So when, when did the so when did the penny drop for you that that was the life that you were going to take? Um, so when I started working on Waldo, um, yeah. I, didn't, I never had an idea before that that I thought was sort of worth taking the plunge for. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then as I started working on Waldo, it was just like a rabbit hole. Like, um, And when you talk about routine, I mean, when I started working on Waldo, it was just like... I didn't want to sleep. I just wanted to continue to like absorb as much information as I could. Yeah. And, the, and that idea came through a born out of frustration. You had yeah. contact lenses yourself yeah. and your mum had contact lenses. Yeah. And you kind of started to see the problem. Yeah, exactly. But, but I think also, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but I think this is right. So uh, you were, you were sort of, Burning the candle at both ends, working super hard, weren't you? And you had just done a thesis on uh, $1 shave and you yeah. looked at the subscription model. Yeah. So what is so funny, again, is that your whole journey that you had gone on through education, different countries, whatever it was, had led you to this subscription model. And then the fact that you were exhausted yeah. and you, had, you said you had no contact lenses right. left... 
you were like, oh God, why don't I look into this right. place? Can you explain to our listeners from your point of view what Waldo is? Sure. Um, so Waldo is a direct-to-consumer subscription uh, contact lens company. Um, but more than that, we, unlike anybody else in the space, we not only manufacture and create the brand and experience, we also then sort of own the relationship with our customer. And so the way that the industry works at the moment is you're either, um, you're either say, an, op- an optician and you have that direct relationship with the customer, but you're reliant on the big pharmaceutical companies for the brands and the product. Or you're a big pharmaceutical company and you're responsible for the brand and the product, but you know nothing about your end customer. And I think that is such a uniquely personal product, somebody should own that whole chain. It's it's interesting, right? Because we've chatted to lots of different people and we've chatted to people who own burger restaurants or people who have made scented candles or people who have started apps or whatever it is. But with your product, contact lenses, okay, that's what you want to do. You would come from uh, working in tech startups and working in different places. There are lots of people out there who have ideas about similar, saying contact lenses or, or sun cream or whatever yeah. it is. How do you even begin <laughs> to discover how you source contact lenses, yeah. how you begin it? I honestly, I'd go, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Where do, you know, we made had a sweets company, but at least everyone eats sweets. Well, generally they do, yeah. right? So you can kind of figure out contact lenses, no idea. Yeah. Um- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, you say that, but like, you know, I'm not in the sweets business. So when you say that to me, I'm like, I have no idea how to get sweets made. <laughs> but, but you can still sort of think on a weird kind of way as you go, I could probably figure find, it out. Figure it out. Yeah. So you, yeah, and it scares me. I guess the regulations and, right. and the whole kind of medical products. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, finding a supplier was the hardest part. Um, but as I started to dig into it, um, yeah, I mean, it was like a year of, sampling and speaking to different suppliers and like trying to navigate what actually is so a take good us back to those lens. very first steps then so you kind of sat there you kind of yeah. had this light bulb moment or it or it started to build in your mind yeah. and you said okay i'm going to do this we're going to take the plunge right. what were the first steps you took not to sound like a stalker so it was 3 a.m in the morning wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like i've just searched everything but it was it was 3 a.m in the morning yeah. it was a light bulb moment wasn't yeah. it it was um as cheesy as that sounds but um yeah then it was just it was a matter of I went through all the um, all the big brands, looked at where they were made, who made them. I mean, most of them are vertically integrated. But the beauty of being at Harvard at the time was that 
really there was no information that I couldn't get my hands on. So I looked at, like I downloaded sort of the top 20 contact lens manufacturers and then just reached out to them like one by one, um, created a sort of false website and email address and told them I was a venture-backed startup looking to get into the manufacturing Was that world true? Con- no. <laughs> Let's just stay on that point as well because uh, there's... This the, is really important. This is really important. The fact of faking it till you make it. Yeah. And, and you grimace slightly there, but... God, we all do it. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of people uh, think, no, you just have to be honest and you have to do things. No, everyone slightly says white right. lies and fibs. And it's about finding your way to that source. And right. and did you feel bad that you were doing that? Or do you go, no, I'm just going to do anything I possibly can to right. get contacts? So it wasn't the first. The first step was me. So I said to them, I'm working on a school project. So can you come back to me with this? And that was True. I mean, it was kind of a school project. I think I've still got a folder that's called Project Waldo on my old laptop. I love that we're making out as a liar. You're not not a liar at all. Let's just get that straight. But then nobody replied. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, well, I need a different approach here. Like, okay, I'm a venture back. Like, there's money on the table. And then the replies start coming, right? Like, interesting how that works. (laughs) Amazing. And then you you then use that as a kind of way to get more information. Yeah. And so then I got more information, um, got some of the pricing. Um, and then when I started to see how much it actually costs to produce contact lenses, I got really furious at how much I'd been paying for the last like decade of my life. <laughs> yeah, real eye-opener. Right, real eye-opener. Good pun, good pun that. There you go. <laughs> hey, welcome to nice. the party. <laughs> <laughs> but, and... And can I ask, can I ask, so how much were you paying for contact lenses at the time and yeah. how much were they worth? Yeah. So, I mean, contact lenses, like daily contacts in the US, um, you're looking at, I mean, so we are $36 a month. Um, but if you're buying them online, you're looking at sort of $70, $80 per month for daily contact lenses, which is such a baseline product. Like, you know, if you wear contacts every day, you need them. It's like a non-negotiable. I can't decide, you know, on one day I'm just not going to wear them. Like, yeah. I need them. Yeah. How do people afford that? Well, they don't. So they end up um, they end up wearing monthlies or like bi-weekly lenses, which is a bit cheaper. Um, but then also they end up over-wearing lenses. So they end up wearing their lenses for like two or three days so that they're getting the most out of them. Um which is obviously like unhygienic and bad for your eyes. So, but also, I, I mean, when you were discovering, you were doing all your study, you were at Harvard, and you were figuring out about contact lenses, and you had this idea uh, that you wanted to do subscription contact lenses. Did you know that you wanted to do subscription straight away, or did that develop? Or did you also? When did branding come along? When did you decide yeah. the name? When did you decide all of that kind of side of it? So the subscription part came like quite a bit later. I was interested in the subscription model, but that didn't gel for me until sort of we were closer to launch. But the the brand came quite early on. Um, and I mean, I've always been very grateful for contact lenses because I've been wearing them since I was 11. And I think high school was like hard enough. It would have been a lot harder if I'd had to wear glasses. Well, glasses not cool in South Africa. No, I feel like in really. the, I feel like I wanted braces and <laughs> glasses at I'll one show point. You an, if I show you a picture of me at 12 years old, you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, then I, so I've been very grateful for the product. 
Um, and I thought that there should be a brand that conveys how awesome the product actually is and a brand that talks about vision in a much more optimistic way. Um, so, I mean, the working name was Prism, which I hated, but then um, I was advertised to by Walden University, like just on my Gmail. And I thought, hey, like that sounds like world. It's how, like I love the roundness of the word, and um, but I thought it should be a bit shorter, so like Waldo and... Um, yeah, and then as I started, then I worked with a creative director that I'd worked with like previously in my career, and he started to put that on paper, and like then it just snowballed because then the project I was working on had an identity, you know, and then there's just like no stuff. I think that's the most important thing. Sometimes right. you just kind of got to have a name, right? And you make it what it is exactly later down the line. Yeah. But for me, I guess as a an outsider, I've never worn contact lenses and I don't really wear glasses very often, but the the brand is the thing that really struck me and how it kind of came into my awareness. Yeah. I, I just saw this thing that looked super cool and kind of started digging into it before yeah. I even realized it was contact lenses. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the power yeah. that I see from an outside perspective. Right. Because what you did, we, with our, with Candy Kittens, um, you know, we focused on branding first. So we said, we're going to, you know, when I met Ed, I, we had no sweets. We didn't have sweets for two years. We've explained it a lot of times on this podcast. But Ed came to me with a slideshow of all different packaging and said, this is what we could make sweets look like. Yeah. And I went, wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Let's do that. Right. Now let's figure out how to get the product. And so I suppose for you, you know, you... You know, you had two ways because you were finding a, you were discovering a, a product that was much cheaper and affordable and subscription based. But also, who, how did you know that branding had to be, you were making, as you said before, eyesight sexy. Yeah. You were making contact sexy. How did you know that was what you wanted to do? How did you know that was going to work? Because um, that's what I wanted. Like, I've got, I've had contact lenses lying around in every bag, like, since I can remember. And it's always been frustrating how, like, bad the packaging looks. Um, what, because it's embarrassing or...? or... It's just boring. <laughs> okay, clinical, medical, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just thought, well, it, you know, we're going to have to make a box and packaging anyway, so it might as well be great. Um, and, like, you know, it's a product that you use every every day. If you look at, like, razors and, you know, the, the products that you've got in your bathroom, like... I mean, generally, they're beautifully designed um, and increasingly more so. So I was like, well, contact lenses just should be the same. Time to catch up. Time to catch up. <laughs> but then, so you're, you're sitting there, you are finding out about everything. You're, you're working on your contact lenses. You're, you're building this brand. Are you doing this all by yourself? Yeah, at this stage. Is that not scary? Yeah, but, I, you know, I was studying, so I didn't have... This so you were was like studying my year. and starting a business at the same time. Yeah, but this was my year to explore. So I'd given myself that, like... So when I talk about sort of building a curriculum, this was me sort of adding to my curriculum with, like, stuff that I really wanted to learn. So it didn't feel, didn't feel too busy. I was, I was really able to, like, just... I was in Boston, and I just nerded out, like, Monday to Friday. And then some days I'd catch the bus down to New York, and that was, like... Just the best. 
<laughs> so <laughs> Friday to Sunday, I'm in New York, and then Monday to Friday, just work on this contact lens thing. But that's that's weird, right? Because you know, there's, and I agree with you, right? I'm totally with you on that. There and Ed, we Ed and I go on to have different interviews and different conversations, and yet yeah, hard work is important, right? People look at the success stories and say, okay, well, they made this amount of money and yeah. they're doing this well, they're whatever they're doing, but people don't understand the process. Hard work is important, yeah. but you don't need to do that thing where everyone says you need to work 24-7 yeah. every single day because firstly you'll burn out yeah. secondly you'll lose your passion towards right. it you need to have that kind of downtime absolutely uh, and so you worked on it you're studying you're building a new brand and you're socializing on the weekends yeah were you not exhausted by all of that I was so excited really yeah it was amazing um it was the best yeah like I was in a new place I was meeting new people the, I was just so into the idea, like, you know, every, and you're also, things are moving so quickly. So like every week you're getting a new design from the designer or another email from the supplier and like, it's got momentum. And at this point, was that starting to cost you money? How are you funding yeah, it was. things? Yeah, well, just started to sort of dry up every last saving that <laughs> yeah, I had. Yeah, okay. can, can we, you know, maybe it's a personal question and feel free to say no, but so how much did you start off with when you were starting branding yeah. and sending these emails, emails out and getting samples? How much were you spending probably, that first year? Probably in that first year, like before I raised capital, probably like 50K of my own money. Okay. Yeah. I had a house in South Africa that I bought um, like in my early 20s before I left. So I sold that. Really yeah. risking it. So yeah. you, you basically said, I'm all in. Yeah. I mean, the South African property market probably wasn't like, doing very well anyway. <laughs> but yeah. But, but that, that, I suppose, is how confident you were in your brand and how passionate you have to be. Yeah. You know, you meet a lot of people who say, um, God, I have this amazing idea to set up this brand new telephone. Right. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. But then they won't risk everything. They won't right. put everything in. And I think if you're being a true entrepreneur, if you're really going to go for it, you really have to put everything yeah. on the line. You have to kind of drop everything and really go for it. Yeah. And so you used up £50,000 yeah. in the first year. Uh, and you still weren't anywhere. So you're 50 grand pretty much in debt. Yeah. Is that, was that scary for you or was that fine looking after those financials yeah. just by yourself? It was scary, but I had decided that that was going to be the year. I mean, it wasn't scary compared to what Harvard cost. <laughs> yeah. Again, it goes back to that <laughs> right. thing. Yeah, exactly. Different point of reference. Yeah. That stage. But I was, I was kind of happy to make that the year where I just sort of, you know, pour everything into learning and starting something new. And then, you know, worst case scenario, I like come back to London and go back into consulting or something. And also that, so that first year you're doing all these, how important do you think it is uh, doing research on your product? And Huge. really? Yeah. See, okay, I'm going to go but against But suites you. or in contact lenses are two different things. Totally. Well. But I have this whole motto, okay, and it's <laughs> probably the biggest disaster thing that I can say. But uh, I always say the best business plan is no business plan. That, <laughs> that scares but you me would, so much. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's just two different characters. And I've met so many people uh, like yourself who would say, absolutely not. You need to understand the market. You need to research. You need to understand your consumer. You need to understand this. You need to understand yeah. that. But for me, I sometimes think Ed would think totally different. Um, I'm, I, I would think, but I think just go for it, just go for it and find out. But is that because 
do you think you had that mentality because you had come from a background of where you educated yourself? You had to take exams. You had to pass these things. You had to study in yeah, order to get places. Maybe, and I just also needed to understand like the risk for myself. So I think that that's a great approach. But I, I, I probably wouldn't spend, you know. Then, then you have to. Then it's that whole like MVP thing. You know, you you can't put a ton of capital behind it to see what sticks if you're not sure. So when you're chucking that money behind something, you've yeah. got to be totally sure because it is a lot of money. And if you're not totally sure, you could just lose it and the right. money's gone. Yeah. So, so, you did, you, so you did a whole, sorry, you did a whole 12 months then of just pure kind of head in the books researching before yeah. launching. And but I was long? studying at the same time. So okay. um, it wasn't on top of, like it was an additional year on top of studying. So yeah, okay. So you kind of I'd did it that alongside that, that your... degree was more like a master's in Waldo, to be honest. <laughs> so now you give a new course. <laughs> yeah. But also, actually, you know, were you talking to people about your idea in that first year? Were you telling people? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was. Did you introduce it, yourself as the founder of all this? No, away, no, 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 that... no. It was like I'm working on this thing. Okay, okay. I'm okay. working on this school project. Going, right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Venture back yeah. school project startup. Yeah. Because, you know, there's so many, you know, people, when they come up with an idea, no one shares it. They don't yeah. talk about it. But Ed and I are big believers. And if you have an idea, spread the word. Yeah. Wear it on your sleeve. Right. I got it tattooed on me. We didn't have, I actually right. did. I got the, the brand logo tattooed on me. Um, and we didn't have a product. We didn't right. have anything. <laughs> because we were so proud and passionate about it. Tell everyone. Yeah. Because then people get excited about what you're creating and you create a buzz. Right. And a lot of entrepreneurs are like, you know, they're, they're not going to tell anybody because they don't want anybody to steal, steal their the idea. idea. I'm like, I mean, I think that that's silly, right? Like, you've got to tell people, you've got to get feedback. Like, the, the only way to really reduce risk is to get feedback from as many people as possible. If you're scared of people stealing your idea, like, they're going to do that anyway. Yeah, you could, they've even do that now, and it's a right. huge company, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But actually, what I admire about you is that you, uh, you seem to have no fear. I'm, I'm sure you do inside, but you seem to have no fear. You grew up in South Africa. You studied all different places. You studied all different subjects. Yeah. You started a different company while you were uh, studying, as you said. You then pick up your staff, and then you move back to London to launch the business. Um, and, and that no fear approach is probably what is why Waldo is where it is at the moment. You know, how much does fear get in the way of success, do you think? Um, so, I mean, I've got a lot of fear, probably ridden with fear, but it's about like, I, what is it? What are you fearful about? I think like fear of failing, fear of, um, fear of not making Waldo what I know that it should be. So fear of selling the brand short, my team short, the, the idea short. Is that because you're letting yourself down or other people down? Um, probably more other people, I guess. Um, but I think fear, like you just acknowledge it and then you do it anyway. So you're like, okay, fear, thanks. I hear you, but I'm going to keep going. Jamie, we've come to that moment that, oh, hey, we've got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I know we do have to stop because, uh, listen, uh, this is why we kind of do the podcast. These are like these little snippets. And I reckon, this is right. This is my theory behind it. I think that a lot of people uh, listen to move podcasts on their commute to work, commute to school, wherever it is. Really? I think they listen in the bathtub. You think they're listening in the bathtub? I like to think that. You like to think that? I think they listen on their commute. So the commute is basic. I think a commute is normally on average around half an hour. So this is the end of part one. Uh, but do not fear because when you come on your commute on the way back or you can listen to it now but on the way back you can listen to part two 
Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. 